0: From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. Congress sent legislation to Donald Trump on January 18th, reauthorizing a surveillance power that allows government intelligence agents to read emails and text messages and listen to phone calls made by Americans if they mention or involve a foreign terrorist suspect without a warrant. After years of backlash against post-9-11 surveillance authorities, the bill's passage in the House and Senate, by overwhelming margins, indicates that security hawks are back in charge. My guest today is Patrick Pexton, CQ's cybersecurity editor. Welcome, Pat. Thank you, Sean. Happy to be here. So, Pat, this was not nearly as controversial as expected. How did it go so easily for the security hawks?
1: I think... What happened here is that there are a lot of senators who are up for reelection, who uh, are running in states where Trump won, and they don't want to look like anything that is uh, too dovish. So I think there were a lot of senators who voted for the FISA reauthorization to make sure that they are looking moderate enough to win reelection. I think that's the first thing that's going on there. And I think the second thing is that there are some changes in the Section 702 authorities, which allows the National Security Agency to spy abroad. And one of them uh, made some of the pro-civil libertarians happy. It requires investigative agencies, mainly the FBI, to uh, get a warrant from the FISA court judge. That's a secret secret court here in D.C. If they're going to use any evidence they find in there in a criminal case, against anyone in the United States.
0: Right. So an important piece of context here, this program was aimed, is aimed, at foreign terrorists. And it only came out in 2013 when Edward Snowden, the, the former National Security Agency contractor, released some NSA documents that indicated that, in fact, it was capturing some Americans' communications. So can you explain a little bit about how that works? Yeah,
1: this is. Uh, let's just you an example that can't actually be because it, he's no longer with us. But let's say I was in Europe and I'm an American and I'm living in Italy and I call my brother in uh, Wyoming and I say, gee whiz, it's a good thing the U.S. government finally got that, that devil, uh, Osama bin Laden. So we're having a conversation about a foreign intelligence target, Osama bin Laden. That phone conversation or email might actually be collected by the NSA because it says Osama bin Laden in the email or in the phone conversation. So that's the way that NSA can gather information that's not about Osama bin Laden, but it's about people talking about him.
0: And so after Edward Snowden released that information, it seemed that civil libertarians were making some headway in rolling back some of the surveillance authorities that were authorized after September 11th. This one in particular was authorized in a 2008 law. But there was another law, the Patriot Act, passed in 2001 that came up for reauthorization three years ago in 2015. And a program at the National Security Agency that allowed the agency to collect data about Americans' phone calls, the length of the calls, the numbers involved, but not the content, was up for renewal. And in that battle, the civil libertarians won. So that's why it's so surprising that there's, that there was this shift in three years' time between the civil libertarians and the security hawks. I mean, might it have something to do with the terrorist attacks we've seen in Europe and the United States in the intervening years?
1: Yeah, I do think it has something to do with those. Uh, the Pentagon, the intelligence agencies are frequent visitors to Capitol Hill telling people that the threat environment is among the worst they've ever seen it. I think that has an influence on the votes. Uh, but it is interesting. That 2015 vote was very important. It limited the ability of the National Security Agency to to delve into the what's so-called metadata, which is the length-duration addresses of email communications. That was a big victory for the civil libertarians, and a lot of people thought that the momentum was on their side, but clearly it was not in this vote, which in the end wasn't even all that close.
0: Yeah, it was striking because in 2015... Uh, the House Judiciary Committee proposed a bill that said the NSA could no longer collect that phone metadata. And if they wanted to look at it, they had to get it from the phone companies and they had to get a warrant before they, they got a peek. And the House, the full House passed the legislation. And then it went to the Senate, where Senator Mitch McConnell very much opposed it. Uh, He was the majority leader then, as he is now, and he wanted to extend the program as it existed. But he was overwhelmed by the civil libertarians on both sides of the aisle, people like Ron Wyden, the Democrat from Oregon, and Rand Paul, his fellow senator, Republican of Kentucky, as well as Mike Lee of Utah. And they basically forced him to accept that bill that had originated in the House Judiciary Committee. Now, this year, we had it seemed like a very similar scenario was emerging. The House Judiciary Committee proposed a compromise bill. It went through the panel on bipartisan lines, but it never went to the House floor. Instead, the House went with a proposal created by the Intelligence Committee, which is generally much more sympathetic to the intelligence agencies. And so... It was a complete shift. I, you know, I was a bit su- surprised to see it. And, I mean, did you get a sense of why the compromise didn't fly this year?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise because the, the same characters, Rand Paul and Mike Lee and, and uh, Ron Wyden, all were prepared to filibuster this bill in the Senate. But they never got the chance. Cloture came with 60 votes, which is the, the procedural move that cuts off debate and uh, they were left holding the bag. Uh, I'm a little surprised at this, but I do think Trump pushed very hard on this. So did the Director of National Intelligence, uh, Dan Coats. He was sitting off the Senate floor during the cloture vote. Uh, All of the intelligence uh, agencies were up lobbying senators and House members on this. And I think uh, we don't know if there's any one specific thing that they're pointing to, the intelligence agencies, but we certainly got the impression that there's things that uh, lawmakers aren't telling us about that gave them pause and pushed them to vote for this.
0: Right. I mean, you mentioned Donald Trump, and, and he, his administration certainly has been very out front saying they wanted this program reauthorized. In fact, they wanted it reauthorized permanently. They didn't get that. It's, yeah. a, it's a six-year reauthorization. But there was a little drama in the lead-up to the House vote, right, where President Trump tweeted something, that caused some confusion about his opinion. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Trump tweeted out really
1: uh, opposite of what he had been saying or what the White House had been saying, saying maybe we ought to to, uh, block the reauthorization because it was used uh, by the Democrats, by President Obama, to bug the Trump campaign last year. And after about 30 minutes, that was retracted. Uh, Speaker Ryan called the president and said, what are you doing And uh, Trump more or less retracted that tweet, or at least didn't emphasize it in the hours and days afterwards. We should know that that tweet uh, has really no substantiation in truth. The uh, surveillance of the Russian ambassador during the Trump campaign is a normal thing that U.S. intelligence agencies have done for many, many years. They're always surveilling the uh, official representatives of the Russian government. There's no substantiation to what Trump said in his tweet about Obama using the FISA Act to spy on the Trump campaign. It's a, you know, it's a little unclear if Trump really understands the ins and outs of these laws. And I think that tweet was self-evident.
0: And there was a little drama, too, in that Senate closure vote. You mentioned it passed with 60, which was the minimum it needed. And there was uh, a little uh, discussion on the Senate floor in the in the final moments where one senator was in the in the middle of a scrum?
1: Yes, there, there was a couple senators toward the end. There one is is Senator McCaskill in Missouri who is up for reelection. She voted for cloture in the end. She was the last vote in favor of it. Uh, she's a Democrat in Missouri undergoing a significant challenge from a Republican. Uh, Missouri went for Trump. So that was uh, playing in her mind. And also this reflects a new Senate. John McCain is absent. He's still battling brain cancer, uh, which means the Republicans have one less vote and the Democrats have one more vote from Doug Jones in Alabama. So this makes a much closer Senate and every vote is going to be closer going forward. So the closer vote was, was the minimum. But, in the final passage it it passed easily with sixty five votes
0: so where does this leave us as far as Edward Snowden and his revelations? I mean are we have we moved past that have has the the moment that that led to for civil libertarians to have their say passed?
1: I think it probably has. I think Snowden is fading. you know he no longer has new information to tell us about, so I think some of that is fading, and I just think the given North Korea given the continued terrorist attacks in Europe and elsewhere, given the instability in the Middle East, I think people, lawmakers specifically, are more worried about giving up any authorities they may have to foil terrorist plots or to get intelligence on people plotting against us in other ways.
0: And of course, the, the Russian intervention in the election of course, was another overlay of this debate. They allegedly hacked into American computers. Was that a factor? I think
1: it was a minor factor. Uh, A lot of senators are still very upset at that. And they're upset that Trump has done virtually nothing. The Trump administration has done nothing to try to curb some of that foreign influence, Russian influence in particular. Uh, And I think senators are upset about that. But I think they're treating that as kind of a separate issue as the Intelligence Committee investigations go forward. And as Robert Mueller's investigation goes forward, I think they're putting that to the side a little bit.
0: So, as far as we go from here, I mean, are there other issues with government surveillance that are on the horizon?
1: I think there probably will be. I think the consciousness of the civil libertarians and Americans in general has been raised, partly by Snowden, but partly by this debate. I think there's still room here for other changes to happen. The ACLU and the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who defend Fourth Amendment rights are going to challenge this law. They are continuing court challenges against it. There's a suit in Maryland where the National Security Agency is based uh, against some of the practices that the NSA uses. I think we won't see the end of this, but more of this may be in the courts.
0: Right. I mean, what's interesting is both votes in the House and in the Senate uh, split the parties. I mean, this is that's been extremely rare this year, and, it, and since the beginning of the Trump administration, we've seen an extraordinary level of party unity on controversial votes. But this is an exception to that. You have Republicans, both in the House and Senate, who are civil libertarians as well as Democrats, and you have security hawks on both sides as well. So it seems like the election, the coming election, could also have a big effect on the future of battles over surveillance.
1: Very much so. I mean, this is one of the interesting things about the FISA debate is that you had Everybody from Rand Paul, a true libertarian on the right, to Ron Wyden, a real liberal on the left in the Senate. And in the House, the House Freedom Caucus doesn't really love this either, uh, which is a group of uh, a pretty uh, right wing uh, Republicans in the House. Uh, and they, they united with liberal Democrats on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the House, you had players like uh, Thomas Massey, a Republican from Kentucky, who is very conservative, uh, Justin Amash, a, a libertarian from Michigan. And even Jim Sensenbrenner, the author of the Patriot Act, a Republican from Wisconsin who's been in the House forever, who was very dismayed that the House Judiciary Bill, which would have added more in the way of warrant requirements, more restrictions, was was cast aside.
1: And this final bill that did pass, this final reauthorization, really cast aside what would have been some very significant protections uh, in the House uh, uh, Judiciary Bill and in uh, some of the wishes of the senators. Uh, there would have been warrants required. At all times to search that database, if it's going to touch on anything that would touch an American, a U.S. citizen, or a U.S. green card holder, those were all dropped for this fairly mild revision now, which just FBI has to get a FISA warrant from the FISA court if they decide to use any data they view in there for a criminal prosecution. That still doesn't mean they can't view it. They can view it. They can look at it, contemplate it, read it, whatever they want. They just can't use it in a criminal case without a warrant. Right.
0: And then with that six-year sunset, which, the, which they included, again— It will come up for debate. Yes. Well, thank you, Pat, for coming on the show. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.